Welcome to the FedHeads, a weekly podcast from GuideHouse. Join the FedHeads each week as Robert Shea and a celebrity guest host talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to another fantastic episode of FedHeads, joined again by GuideHouse's Donna Roy. Donna, thanks for coming back. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. I think I told you we've had a long partnership, if you'll pardon the expression, with the Partnership for Public Service, releasing reports, doing nine or ten months study of a specific area of government management. And this past year, we delved into the history and the progress on the current president's management agenda. And I'm proud to be joined by Lauren DeYoung-Shulman, who leads the Partnership's Research Evaluation and Modernizing Government Division. I am really excited to be here. Um, I feel like I have finally gotten my nerd card in government now, being being able to be a guest on FedHeads. I don't know if I should I be offended. No, we're no, the no. coolest. You we're are the, coolest the coolest, nerdiest podcast there is. And no, one hundred percent. Like the partnership says that it's the club for good government, but it's really like that's the big club. This is the special club. <laughs> well, we're delighted you oh. feel that way, and we're even more delighted that you joined. Happy to be here. So, tell us what you do do at the partnership. So I oversee our research team and our modernizing government team. And that basically means half of my team is coming up with all the crazy new innovative ideas for government to do business differently and more effectively for the American people. And the other half of the team is helping them think through how do we do so with modern ways of working and technology. So we're not just caring about doing business more effectively with paper or uh, with copy machines or fax machines, but thinking about digital technologies, use of data, agile ways of working, and innovation that is so needed in our government space. And, and of course, the partnership is decades-old, not-for-profit that is encouraging service in government, but also bringing people together to collaborate on ways to improve its performance and efficiency. Absolutely. And, I mean, one of the things that we love to do is what we did in this project bring together people who otherwise would not be able to collaborate, would not be otherwise be able to share lessons around, first of all, how did we explore president's management agenda visions in the past? What kind of progress did we come out of those? What did we get right? What did we get wrong? And now looking at what we're doing right now, how can we make the most of this time, this leadership attention, the momentum, and hopefully funding that comes with some of the president's management agenda priorities today? And with the events that we hosted with you at GuideHouse, or previously Grant Thornton, had a fantastic time hearing from people about what they're doing with the kind of guidance they have from the PMA, whether it be around employee experience, customer experience, or business of government. That's exciting. I loved the focus the past couple of years from this administration on customer experience. I'm going to throw a term at you and see how you react to it. What do you think about the sort of next evolution of that as a self-proclaimed data nerd as sort of data experience, which I think is a combination of a lot of those um, functions in those disciplines, sort of working to, to really focus on better data and better ways to use data for our citizens. So what's amazing to me is that the American public gives so much data to government in lots of different ways that customers fill in forms, they fill out surveys, they do customer complaints. And there are some places in government that make incredible use of that, like the VA, their vSignals platform is amazing. And there's others that are just very earlier in the maturity and like we're like, yes, we got a ton of data and we're just kind of figuring out how to organize and use it. When government's working best, they are taking all of those insights and mapping those against customer pain points, customer priorities, customer um, moments that matter, 
and thinking through how can we organize ourselves better? How can we put resources against these and how can we better serve customers in some way? And all of that is driven by what we know about customers. And that's all, that's all data platforms. Like people are thinking about it in terms of like ones and zeros and spreadsheets. It's surveys, but it's also interviews. It's qualitative data. It's uh, storytelling that we get from customers overall. And that package helps government better serve the American people. And when we have data mobilization and knowledge mobilization that is reaching the actors that can make change, whether it be frontline employees or program designers or policymakers or digital services, that's when that happy marriage of data nerds and customer experience nerds can actually make real progress. So admittedly, I was on this journey with you as we sort of took stock of past president's management agendas, the current agenda, and where agencies were taking it into the future. Mm -hmm. When we release this, it'll be on or around the time of the one-year anniversary of the president's management agenda. Donna probably agrees with this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but an agency can either use the presence management agenda as a compliance exercise, check the box, or leverage it to make significant long-term improvements in the way they operate and what they're accomplishing. Can you reflect on what you heard from our workshops and, and, and interviews with agencies about what makes a difference in an agency that takes it seriously? It's a great question. So I think the ones that don't take it seriously just look at the the requirements that come out of it and say like, okay, I've got some reporting to go back to OMB. I've got to do an assessment. Maybe I've got to arrange my budget a little bit differently and I can just keep continuing doing my business. But the ones who are taking it seriously realize that in this case, they've got to get regularly all the deputies from the President's Management Council together to talk about the progress they're making. When you're, you get that level of senior leader together to talk about like things that they're responsible for, you can make a lot of that time. Like That's when you get to convince them, here's where we need to move resources, here's where we need to make hires, here's where we need to uh, generate collaborations across agencies and really get your leadership to empower some true action. Another way to take advantage of this is through all the compliance that they're having to do, the data they're collecting, the surveys they're generating and so on, Use that as a way to invest in the back end of government. So many PMAs are just like, yeah, on the surface, let's improve CX, let's improve procurement and so on. But they don't invest in the data enterprise, the technology enterprise solutions, the human capital, the legal architecture they need in order to support all of that. And that's why actually I love the Biden and Harris administration's vision because it talks about here's our three priorities around employees, CX, and business. But then they also talk about like, what are those enablers behind the scenes? What are the, the data? What are the people we need to hire? What's the culture we need to generate? And really excitingly, what's the learning agenda we need to have to better make that real? What do we need to know in order to actually make progress on all the things we're setting out to do? And who can help us learn those things? To me, part of that infrastructure um, that I think the government will benefit from is that conversation around increasing data literacy as you talk to those deputies, as you understand how they need to internalize customer experience and what that really means inside their agency. Can you talk a little bit about some successes there? It's a great question. So one of the case studies that we did, a little bit lower down than deputies, but I'll get to them. One of the case studies that we did was around the Bureau of Fiscal Service and has done a tremendous amount around data literacy, data culture within their organization. What they decided to do was not just go out and hire a bunch of data scientists, though they did that too, but to challenge their workforce with data challenges, <laughs> with data challenges, 
to say like, hey, we got this really cool stuff here. We have this one problem that we want to try to solve. Can we pull a bunch of people together and say, how would you solve this given this data? And not folks who were deeply familiar with uh, data quantitative analysis, but people who had never approached it that way before to get them feeling comfortable with using data for problem solving. And from there, they got people invested in the training they might want to do, in upskilling they might might want to pursue. So they didn't have to go out and hire 100 new people. They had a bunch of new invested employees who were passionate about these issues in addition to that. On the customer experience side, the key life experience projects to me that came out of the customer experience executive order are incredibly exciting. This is an opportunity for agencies to collaborate across what they call uh, customer life experiences or maybe major moments that matter, whether it be experiencing a disaster, facing retirement, experiencing financial insecurity. When an uh, American citizen experiences all of those, they may get services from a dozen different agencies. And in our existing system, they have to apply a dozen different times or more to all of those. The vision is that we create a one-door system, a one-entry system, a collaborative system so they can get services from um, agencies across the board without having to put the burden on the customer. And with that, I think by presenting in that way, it puts deputies in the shoes of the customer to be able to understand what it's like to have to go through all this usual administrative burden. When I saw that come out, I got all excited. My work at DHS, I was exposed to um, the European Union's concept of, you know, first only. So the first time a, a government agency in Europe stores a customer's data, they're responsible for sharing it with others so that the same person who goes across those government services doesn't have the burden of doing that double entry. That's a large barrier for the United States and how we sort of divide up these services. How are we sort of overcoming some of those challenges associated with that sharing and that sort of first-only storage capacity? There's a couple of things that are going on, and I think it's going to take a long collaboration with agencies and Congress on this. But a couple of good examples are um, the creation or the really the blowout of login.gov so that people can have one login entry point to secure government systems, whether going into the IRS or um, Center for Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid or other places. That's in its early stages. It's got a lot of room for growth, but like the ability to just have one login, one password, and that gets you access to everything, that's mind blowing compared to where we were a few years ago. The next entry point there is I think that um, the, particularly during the pandemic, there was a lot of crisis-driven collaboration that took place to be able to get people relief and aid as quickly as possible. So that, um, let's see, for example, Department of Education and IRS and the Bureau of Fiscal Service found ways for people for Ed to be able to validate income uh, from the IRS without having to share a ton of personal identifying information. There's a lot of progress around doing systems like that that are secure, that don't involve a whole lot of data sharing risk, but are getting agencies who need to go out and verify and validate things in order to deliver aid as quickly as they possibly can. I think the last thing that's going on is through these life experience projects, they're doing a giant audit of like, look, where is it we should otherwise be sharing this information because government should be designed for the customer and not for government bureaucrats. Crazy idea. Uh, and with that, I hope they'll come out with a package of, look, this is some places where we need some legislative relief. We need some consistency in how we are storing, protecting, and utilizing customer data. We dove right into talking about the president's management agenda without reminding people it's pillars. So there's a human capital management pillar. There's a customer experience pillar. There's a build back better sort of a combination of acquisition and financial management. Yep. The partnership mission 
focuses significantly on improving the government's human capital management so that it can recruit and retain talent it needs. I'm not sure we've moved the dial in successive president's management agenda in improving the hiring process or our ability to recruit and retain. And that's really something from which the government's suffering today because it's the demands for its services are at a a peak. Mm -hmm. The amount that um, we're, we're, Expecting from the government is likewise at its highest level in memory, and yet the ability to hire in a tight labor market really limits our ability to perform. Can you talk about why we haven't and or what, what we can expect in areas of improvement there? Yeah. Uh, so first, let me say that it would be great if we could just go and fundamentally reform some of these systems that are preventing us from being able to do the flexible and agile hiring that we need. But within the current system we we have, as onerous and as frustrating as it is, there are things that agencies are already doing right now that make that process move more smoothly, more transparently, and in a much more employee-centric way. The Air Force, for example, they made a concerted effort to be accountable to the people that are that are applying for jobs there by creating dashboards and using data to track how quickly are they moving from one stage to the other of the hiring process. Previously, federal hiring prices was, I think, more than double of the private sector. The Air Force, by just tracking, like, what's taking so long here? Where are people getting stuck? What are the barriers? Sped it up considerably to be close to where the private sector was and continues to make progress in that space just by thinking that we have some accountability to the people that we're trying to recruit here. The other piece that I think that needs to happen is being much more transparent about what government jobs are and look like. Like, how do we show people what career pathways are available in government? I have another podcast, Profiles in Public Service. Check it out after you listen to FedHeads. Violation, violation, no cross-promotion only here. After, no cross-promotion. Only after you listen to FedHeads, where we talk to feds about, like, how did you get into government? And, like, the stories are incredible. These folks who are the chief scientists at NOAA started out as, like, a circus performer and suddenly found themselves in a position to be able to be in a considerable inference at NOAA as a chief scientists like there's so many pathways in but the, the some investment needs to take place both in terms of federal government marketing itself like here's what we do and here's where we are and here's why we're amazing but also in investing in hr services you can actually help make those connections and you can expedite hiring when it needs to occur and you can be transparent and hold employees or actually applicants hands as they go through that in some cases many many months long process um, and I think like the, the Biden-Harris administration is doing a ton in the right direction in this space, but they're only o- over, they're only able to operate on the margins until we're able to bring in Congress to do some significant reform on the statutory side. Uh, there's definitely some, some looking at uh, Title V hiring sort of practices that could uh, help smooth that out. It took me several tries and maybe about a year to get into the federal government. What I would love to see are the things that we can do without that sort of major change. Writing a position description and advertisement in English that is marketable to commercial applicants seems like something we could do. And yet I don't see very many of our jobs posted in in a way that we can bring in the technology enthusiasts that we know we could grab. Do you have any sort of insight into why we're not able to do that? So I think one, we absolutely are. It's definitely possible. And you see this in some of the newer positions that have been offered. There have been government-wide hiring actions around customer experience and around data scientists that You know, they haven't been like 100% in English, but they're getting there. They're trying. I think that some of it is just like, it's just this long backlog that needs to take place of people recognizing that you don't have to do it in the same way. You don't have to post and pray on USA Jobs and hope that you get those applicants. 
the other piece of it on the other side of what you're talking about is people need to be able to provide resumes that you would be able to do applying to Guidehouse. You can use the same resume to apply to the federal government. You can't do that right now. People feel obligated to do a federal resume. And I think if you can make changes on both sides of the house of like how we communicate what the job actually is, what do you actually do in these jobs, and make it possible to feel like you are a normal human being applying for the job as opposed to just like a bureaucratic form, you're going to be able to have a lot more interested parties in government. You're going to be able to have people apply more quickly and efficiently. And I think really importantly, you'll be able to recruit young people out of college that are not willing to go that extra bureaucratic distance to apply for a public service role. As the father of three soon-to-be-working-age young women, I, I applaud that goal. So we're almost out of time. But any parting reflections on what we learned from this almost year-long dive into the president's management agenda? So one is coming back to something that Donna said at the beginning around getting leaders involved in data. So not just data literacy, but I'll start there. Getting leaders involved into the business of government, the behind the scenes stuff. We have a lot of political appointees that come in with grand visions of the policy agenda. And that's important. That's an incredibly important part of their role. But understanding the back end of government and all the investments that need to be made around human capital, around data literacy, around enterprise, um, uh, digital systems, all of those things have to happen and continue to get better in order for that policy agenda to take place. So I think that's one big thing that we learned. Um, the second is for them to get a better handle on like what it is they need in order to make decisions. As I said at the beginning, like government has just like an ocean of data that it can access and does not make really great use of right now. So becoming a better steward of that data, a better customer of that data, and starting to get people in the battle rhythm and the muscle memory of using data effectively in government is a, something that's critical to actually execute the president's managed agenda as intended. And then the last thing I would say is making some of these issues, as we you do on this podcast, make these issues cool. Like, people don't often talk about federal you're, procurement. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> people talk about federal <laughs> procurement or federal data or federal hiring as though it's, like, an awesome issue. But it's fascinating, and it won't – nothing that we want to get done in terms of climate change or national security or any other major issues, none of those things will be as effective as they could be unless you get those back-end issues right. Well, the partnership is making a major contribution in that regard, as are you. We're trying. I really enjoyed <laughs> this partnership and look forward to it continuing many years in the future. Thanks for coming on Fed. Thanks for having me.